Welcome to Love Extremist Radio. Being a love extremist means committing to and choosing love as joyful activism. I'm your host, Ethan Lipsitz, self-proclaimed love extremist. Love can exist everywhere, and yet, when talking about it, we all seem to define it differently. There are many environments and individuals to whom love seems lost, or was never there to begin with. I want to engage myself, my guests, and you to confront love, get to know it as it appears in many forms, and learn from others who have love stories to share. I'll focus on three frames of love, self-love, love in partnership, and love in community. My intention is to uncover and share stories that shed light on love in new and often forgotten ways. For over 60 episodes of Love Extremist Radio, I've been proud to host important conversations on love, activism, and liberation in person and face-to-face. I believe sitting across from one another and diving into deep topics is a form of meditation and an act of love in itself. Unfortunately, with the recent COVID-19 pandemic, I've been forced to embrace new methods of podcasting, which means I'm experimenting with virtual meetings and recordings at a distance. Social distancing, as they say. That said, this episode was recorded virtually. I apologize in advance for any glitches in audio quality and will continue to improve the sound with each episode. Thanks so much. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Love Extremist Radio. It's me, Ethan Lipsitz, and I am excited to be sitting virtually with my old friend, Ben Nemton. Ben and his three childhood friends started The Buried Life in Victoria, British Columbia in 2006. They made a list of 100 things to do before you die, and for every list item they accomplished, they helped a complete stranger cross something off their bucket list from playing basketball with President Obama to having a beer with Prince Harry, from reuniting a father and son after 17 years to surprising a young girl with a much-needed bionic arm. Ben's bucket list quest has inspired millions to thrive personally and professionally. Ben is the number one New York Times bestselling author who has been featured on The Today Show, The Oprah Winfrey Show, CNN, Fox, and NBC News. He is recognized as one of the world's best motivational speakers, as well as a top 30 best organizational culture professional for 2020 by Global Gurus. What's up, Ben? How you doing, dude? I'm good, man, considering <laughs> everything that's <laughs> happening. I think I'm pretty good. I'm trying to stay positive and looking at the silver linings of all this and taking some time to, to slow down to think about things that I've been putting off and um, trying to just to go for those things. So yeah, but it's it's good. I'm ha- I'm happy. I'm healthy. My family's health ha- happy and healthy. Um, Beautiful. So you can't ask for you're more that. gently slipping your toes into the water of being a dog parent. It's very true. Exciting. Yes, I'm taking micro steps. Uh, I we fostered a a German Shepherd uh, mixed with a um, Rottweiler. So uh, yeah, it's a really, really beautiful dog. Actually, it's just uh, and but has had a tough go in its life. So it's very scared and shy and timid. But the the amazing thing is, it's we picked her up yesterday morning, Mm. and the difference between the dog's demeanor from yesterday morning till to 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 now, where I just dropped her off at the groomer to get a bath for the probably the first time, um, and you know to see the way that she's now. You know, she's wagging her tail sometimes mm-hmm. for the first time. She loves dogs, so she's interacting. She wags her tail when she sees dogs. Um, and she sort of is now following us around the house. And, you know, where before, if I got, especially with males, if I got close to her, yeah. she, her tail would go between her legs and she would get up and leave. And so we've, um, she's slowly becoming more and more relax like she's sleeping you know her breathing was was really shallow and quick now it's longer and she's chilling so So yeah giving her regular massages is that your trick i you know i do tai chi around her and then Uh, i give her a reiki healings every morning (laughs) i give give her my version of that which is pets oh there you go (laughs) i give her pets for pets pets for pets pets, man that's right that's what they were made for (laughs) so i i 
was excited to have this conversation with you. We've been talking about it for a little while and uh, usually come up with some draft questions beforehand. And I got a little silly with you um, because I know I can. Um, but also just because I think it's like an interesting starting point. So I'm just going to like fire off some rapid ones and we'll see where, where it goes. Yeah. Um, what are you drinking right now? Ooh, I'm drinking uh, yerba mate, but sort of the traditional, I could even call it yerba because I've been to Argentina and Uruguay, so the yerba mate. So the traditional form of the yerba is it's a tea and it's a loose leaf tea, which you put you in a gourd and the gourd is like a cup for all intents and purposes in, in, in Argentina and Uruguay, it's a, a squash gourd. So it's a dried out squash, um, cup and you fill the tea up to the top almost. And what you do is you, you tilt it to one side and you pour in actual sips of water that you then suck out of the gourd with a, what's called a bombija, which is the metal straw for right. again, all intents and purposes. But, um, what I love about, the yerba or the yerba mate is that it gives you a great mental buzz, right? I think that I actually prefer it over coffee because it's it's not a, a spike and a drop. It's more of a sustained uh, sort of mental stimulation. And it's really quite powerful. It's really like it gives you a good boost. And so – and it lasts throughout the day because, well, effectively you're drinking it all day because you only take one sip at a time. But you – um, you drink it all day and it kind of sustains you with this energy and it feels like a very clean energy. It feels um, like a positive energy. You know, coffee can sometimes feel like it, 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 you get a bit of jitters and it, it just like it shakes you up a bit after you get the, the high of the coffee where this is uh, much more grounding. I guess might be the best way to describe it. And it, it, what's cool about it, when you when you go to Uruguay or, or Argentina, and I'm sure other places around the world that drink yerba mate, you everybody walks around with their gourd and a thermos. So right. everyone everyone has a thermos, and and it's very communal. So you always are sharing your yerba mate with friends and everyone. You just because it's one sip at a time. Right. Well, so, so I wonder what's happening to the yerba scene right now in the times of COVID. Yeah, so they, they put in a super soaker, and you just stand six feet apart, and you uh, shoot it. There it goes. In just their keep mouth. your mouth open. Perfect. Mouth. Yeah, I'll keep, yeah. I also want to give props to South America for um, being the first to bring the metal straw onto the scene in a meaningful way. You know, well, everyone's trying to reduce their waste, and they've, they've uh, been there for for generations. It's been there. Yeah. Same I mean, with the cops. No plastic cups, reusable cups. Not Seriously. only are they reusable, but you're using organic matter. Right? It's incredible. These, these aren't plant-based cups. These are plants. Right. <laughs> right? Literally. The squash gourds. So, yeah, props to the millions of listeners from South America. Um, yeah. Yeah, all of, all of you out there, I just want to say, also, and just like all of our indigenous community in general, I mean, like we have so much to learn from basically pre-industrial times like i think like this idea that uh we're starting to realize we're destroying our earth with our kind of capitalist requirements of making things so that they can be thrown away right like to have stuff that we can hang on to and use and find meaning in and having your own personal gourd what a what a treat you know what a gift at not only for the earth but also for you yeah yeah so. and it does mean it does mean something you know, yeah. So was, yeah. was that part of your story? Did you make it to South America, to Argentina and Uruguay as, as part of your journey around the world, uh, with the buried life or is, was that a, a separate adventure? Yeah. yeah. That was on my personal list. I'd always wanted to go to that part of the world and, um, go to the wine region in Mendoza and, uh, and explore. I, I, I had wanted to go down to Patagonia and do a trek in Patagonia, but we didn't quite make it that far. Mm. But I was with a group of friends, and um, we traveled around that area of South America. And I was very surprised by Uruguay, and, and Uruguay blew me away. And I think that it's just such an underrated destination. And we traveled up the coast of Uruguay, um, had you know some fun in Punta del Este, but also north of Punta del Este. I think it, where where it gets really special. We went to a place called Cabo Polonio, which is a little. It's on a. It's on. It's in the northern region of, of Uruguay on the coast, and it's there's no electricity, 
Uh, it's a beautiful point. It's white, like squeaky sand beaches. Wow. And you can, you can rent little huts on the beach and um, you can't access it via car, you know, or at least we, at least we couldn't. We went a couple years ago. You, you had to get on this massive, um, almost like a sand crawler, which had huge, you know, rugged four by four wheels that would cool. take people from the main road into Cabo Polonio. And there was a, a lighthouse on the point. Wow. And yeah, you just walk around. How'd you find it? I heard about it from friends. Someone said you gotta you, you gotta go there. It's like it's a must do on the list. And so it's uh, it's a really special place, and and it's definitely worth looking at um, and checking out. And um, yeah, just a beautiful country, Uruguay. You know, so, yeah, I'll so. bet. I want to go back there. You said you heard about it from friends, and it was a must do on the list. I, I'd imagine when you create a bucket list yep. of things you must do before you die, you probably get. Way more than a hundred suggestions from friends and family and people who you trust and love and respect. How do you know when a must do is actually a must do? What like is it an energetic thing? Does it like be like oh it really resonates with me, or do you actually like you know what what is it that indicates oh I got to actually make this happen? Uh, I think two things. One, you have to really look at are you doing this or do you want to do it for you or do you want to do it because other people want you to do it or you do you want to do it because it is um the the community around you or it's the collective sort of feeling that it's something you should do and i think that a lot of people i actually don't um think this is sort of backed by research but the the number one regret that people have at the end of their life is, and this is done by a, a psychologist named Tom Gilovich, who wrote a paper in the academic journal Emotions, which um, he's a professor at Cornell, Mr. Gilovich. He's also a, uh, he's a leading psychologist in the US. So he talked with people on their deathbed. And he asked people on their deathbed, what's your number one regret in your entire life? And 76% of people had the exact same answer. And their answer was, living the life someone else wanted for me, not me. Mm. So their number one regret was not living what he called their ideal self. So if that is the vast majority's largest regret in their entire life, that is the most important thing in my mind we need to pay attention to when it comes to our list, our personal goals. Because typically what we do with our personal goals is we push them till tomorrow or next week or next year because we tell ourselves we don't have time or we don't have the, you know, perhaps we don't have the money or there's all these barriers. And there, and what that means is that there's no deadlines for personal goals. So there's no consequences if we don't mm. do them, but there is a consequence and it's the ultimate consequence, which is when we get to the end of our life, we realize we fucked up and we don't have any more time to do them. And our regret is not the things that we did. We regret the things that we didn't do. So when you think about your list, you, you really want to think about what are, are the things that will truly bring me joy, will truly bring me fulfillment, will truly bring me happiness, and that's all that matters. Nothing else matters when it comes to your list. It's not what will make someone else happy. It's not what will um, make you look a certain way in the eyes of other people. Those are, you know, those are all good things. But at the core, that's not what you regret at the end of your life. Yeah, You don't regret making other people happy. You, you regret, um, and we can talk about these later on, but there's these five regrets of the dying, which all do not um, are, are not tied to money and are, and are not really tied to ego, actually, at, at all. And they're very simple things. But you know, specifically, this number one regret is... Uh, you know, I wish I would have lived the life for me, not the life other people wanted. So that's why I'm so bullish on a bucket list. And because a bucket list is a reflection of what you truly want in, in your life. And it's not just travel things or adventure list items, right? I think that that's something that we gravitate towards when we think about a list is the adventure, mm -hmm. which is one very important category in our lives. For sure. for sure. But we have all these different categories in our lives. And so we want to think about the full spectrum, you know, emotional, spiritual, material, uh, professional, you know, uh, right. adventure and, and, and 
and and so you know that's in in my mind the most important is like what's going to make you happy it's not selfish to think about these things it's actually service so let's 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 write them down so we start to create accountability we start to drive ourselves forward so that we don't have those regrets at the end of our life do you find that it's easy for people to identify what's going to make them happy i i find that to be a very difficult exercise initially to actually like authentically know yeah your own happiness no i think it's the same uh, we, you know, another way to look at it is like when people ask you, what, what's your passion? What are you passionate yeah. about? It's like, well, right. that's a hard, I don't know. <laughs> you know that's like, <laughs> a lot of people, it's like me included. Sometimes I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? What am I passionate about? I, if I knew I'd do it. <laughs> so I think that there's some different things that you can, oh, there's a different, there's some ways you can reframe that, uh, question. So instead of what's going to make you happy, uh, what are you passionate about? Let's take a step back. Let's not look at, um, let's look at feelings. You know, what are you curious about? What, what genuinely curious, are you curious about? Start going down those roads. That, that's a good place to start with your list. Um, what excites you when you think about it? What literally, when, you, when I thought about going to, to this trip to Uruguay with my friends and going to Mendoza and all these places, I got excited about it. I was fired up. I felt butterflies in my stomach. That is the, the feeling that you want when you start thinking about your list. What warms your heart when you think about it? Like what actually gives you a sense of well-being? You know, you start to, you feel good when you think about doing something like that. You know, that's why I think it's important to have one of these categories of your life as give. You know, how do you want to be of service to other people? Mm. And again, it doesn't take money to give something to someone, right? Um, I think in times like this, it's especially important and just checking in with friends and family, calling them, you know, totally is important. So, um, anyways, the, so curiosity, excitement, and you know, following your heart, I think are 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 good paths to sort of proceed down when you when you're thinking about your list. So cool. I I wasn't sure how I was going to tie in, but I knew it would. There's so much rooted here in what I see as self love practice, and ultimately. Um, one of the ways that I tapped into this kind of notion of the list was I was challenged to discover my perfect day and just to give myself one day a week when I was healing, uh, going through radiation and chemotherapy after um, my brain surgery. And I just found that that challenge of finding my perfect day was a great starting point, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's just this day. I'm going to devote Thursday to doing anything I want. And that means I'm not going to drive on Thursday. I'm going to get in the train. I'm going to explore. I'm going to bring my bike with me. I'm going to like end up somewhere I've never been before. Mm. You know, I'm going to make myself a beautiful meal. I'm going to watch the sunset, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. I'm going to meditate. And I found like all these things that like, oh, I actually really enjoy. If I'm in choice right now, like I'd have to stop sometimes. Be like, wait, I should do this. And it's like, wait, what do I want to do? What is my body telling me? Right. Mm hmm. So I really relate to that. Uh, I'm curious, and, what, what, what were the, um, what was your perfect day? Well, there was a lot of perfect days. Um, it started out just like that. I mean, I was, I was a little bit confined um, to being around LA when I was going through treatment. So I'd ride my bike. I'd commit to, first of all, I wasn't supposed to be driving because I was getting seizures. So I'd ride my bike and take the train everywhere. And just experiencing the city in that way was really cool and different and felt like I was in a completely different city than what I'm used to driving around. Mm -hmm. And I'd go to the self-realization center right next to where I was getting my treatment and I'd meditate. Um, I might go buy a store and just like walk in somewhere and start talking to the shopkeeper and see what they had and like maybe get a candle or like, you know, some, I'd usually treat myself to a coffee somewhere, a nice like sit and write and be in the sun. Sometimes it was just like finding a park or an open space. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, there's a lot of simple things. And then it got more complex. Um, I had this vision for New Year's Eve, which was a special day, but also like a day I wanted to celebrate. You know, I was getting through treatment and I wanted to make it special. So um, I always had this vision of painting, a, well, it was kind of a vision that started to come through, but I basically wanted to buy an old sports car and paint it and drive it from LA to Cabo Mm. um, and crash my buddy's wedding in Cabo on new year's Eve. And um, 
So I got my friend Dan Johnson. You know Dan, the yep, photographer. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So Dan and I got in this uh, old Honda Del Sol. I'd bought it two days prior, painted it this crazy, you know, five different colors. It just looked like this like amazing, just like all of my creative energy was like on this car. And we started driving and we drove down to Cabo in like two days. We just booked it. We had an amazing like adventures in the desert cruising through. This car is a tiny sports car and Cabo, well, just Baja, it gets a little rough. The roads had a lot of potholes and it wasn't built for it, but it was such a cool adventure. We like replaced the tires and almost hit a donkey and just had all these amazing moments. And then we finally got down just, we, we landed in Cabo at 10 PM. The wedding was just moving to the dance floor and we just like, arrived on the dance floor it was a good time to crash a wedding it was amazing it's we like, like you're, you're crashing it but you're not you're not crashing the the most delicate part <laughs> you're like the good crashers exactly exactly it was like we just happened to be at the party you know? yeah yeah oh we're just driving through <laughs> it, it was crazy it was so crazy so we had an amazing just like stay and hang in Cabo for a few days but really like the journey was even more exciting than the vacation in Cabo it was like being on the road it became this meditative just like time of just connecting to that landscape which is really beautiful and unique and seeing the beaches we took our time coming back and camped out along the beaches and got in the water and explored and took photos and made art and ultimately it was just a life-changing trip and we came back and had an art show. I was like, I want, what's the next thing? You know, because like the best day is never a static thing. It's always evolving. And so I kind of had this vision, like we've made all this amazing photography and art. I'd love to make more art based on the car. Let's find a space where we can show it and see maybe people will like it. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up set, like showing our, our work and we sold out the show. Right. Um, and then that led to me becoming a visual artist, basically. <laughs> so <laughs> okay, I got work. So- this is super important, I think, because of two things. One, um, you the whole reason this whole thing happened is because you forced yourself, which, as you said, wasn't easy, to stop and slow down and think about what would be your perfect day, right? Yeah, so you, right. So, which is why I think it's so important to think about a list because I'm talking about instead of your perfect day, what's your perfect life? So, right. But it's hard to take the time to think about what – you actually want what makes you excited what are you curious about or what are you happy what are you passionate about these are overwhelming questions and but it's very in my mind vital to slow down and stop and actually check in every couple months to see if you are on the path that is reflective of what you want and what you're doing and that is what a list is it's a reminder that you have personal goals and you and you have these these things that are important to you, but it's also keeping you on track so that when you stray from that, it comes back to your true north. You've taken the time to think about what's important and now you have your reminder of your list. So that's the first thing that you, so you took the time to think about that and look what, what evolved. The other thing that I think is really interesting and just also very important about your story is that you followed this, this um, creative, creative curiosity and you really didn't have a, an end game for it. You didn't have an idea of what would come of it, um, how you would monetize it, what you would create from it. It was just purely out of just you wanting to self-express. And this creativity is, is so, so important for us to express for our own mental health and well-being, to be able to let this full expression of who we truly are out, right? So that's like you, you're all of a sudden, that's your truth. And what happened was when you did that and when you did what you loved, um, it created this ripple effect that at the time you didn't know was happening. But what you were doing is you were taking this road trip with your with, with Dan, you were going down to the wedding, it was just supposed to be a you know week or 10 day trip and you were gonna come back and you were gonna kind of go on to the next thing. But what happened was is that you created this ripple that impacted other people. You inspired other people. You you sparked other people. And all of a sudden, it was affecting other people. And it was inspiring other people to probably do something really cool that they wanted to do. And what happened was then you came back from that trip and you you'd created this life, right, from this project that had started to create this life of its own. And now 
you had um, you had built something, and 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 this ripple effect that you created just by doing what you love, you inspired other people to do what they loved, and that shot you on this journey that you are now, where you are now inspiring more people to also do what they love. There's this misconception that it's selfish to do what we love, that yeah. that we are supposed to. Um, be there for other people and and do things um, for ourselves, second, or third, or last. And I think that it's important that we realize that when we do what we love, we're doing things for other people. That's the best way we can help other people. We can actually, um, it's a win-win. We get to we get to do the thing that we love, and we get to show other people and give other people permission to do the thing that they want to do and we also do not know what will grow from it. So when you totally. think about when you think about your list it's it's just your, your these are these seeds. That's why this whole project's called the buried life because the buried life is the name of a poem that was written 150 years ago which talked about the same fucking thing which was like we have all these dreams but they're buried and we get inspired by certain things but the day to day buries them. And so I want everyone to unbury those dreams and go after them because I know that it will make the world a better place. Mm, it's so beautiful and so on point. It reminds me of something I just was reading yesterday and I put into a presentation about self-love. And um, essentially, Eric Fromm, who is a kind of um, early um, philosopher, kind of uh, someone that, um, sorry, psychologist and studied happiness and love and wrote... Um, some incredible books on love, um, wrote, love of others and love of ourselves are not alternatives. On the contrary, an attitude of love towards themselves will be found in all those who are capable of loving others. Love, in principle, is indivisible as far as the connection between objects and one's own self is concerned. So, I think it's so important. We're always tell, tell people this, right? Like you got to love yourself before you can love someone else. Yeah. Um, but like that reality is harder for folks to grasp, but it's, it's, it's cliche. And yet time and time again, it shows up right. In all these different forms. I'm curious to hear how you define love. What is, what is love for you? Love is, 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 is allowing yourself to be the person that you really are. I think that, that is the, the truest expression of yourself is love because as I as as you just said, as I said, that is the the best way you can show up for other people. Not just because you can't take care of other people if you don't take care of yourself, but also because that I, I think we all have the unique gifts and when you allow those to come to the surface, when you unbury those gifts, they can do, you can do the best things uh, for humanity. And mm. you can inspire more people. And I think that this idea of a ripple effect is something that I just wasn't aware of when we started this project, right? Like I started Buried Life with my three childhood friends in 2006, right? In Victoria, yeah. BC, we made a bucket list. Uh, we put down the most impossible goals we could think of because we just thought it would be uh, just a big laugh and we would just go out and try and do what we could. And then we'd also help other people do things on their list. And we didn't think that one, anyone would care. And we didn't think that we would go, it would go beyond the two week road trip that we had planned. Yeah. So we hit the road in a, in a crappy RV. We bought a camera on eBay. We made matching t-shirts and we just took two weeks off work. We told, I told my boss at the time I was going to a wedding, an Indian wedding. So it was a long wedding <laughs> <laughs> and we just hit the road. And what happened was, is that people wanted to help us. Strangers wanted to help us cross things off our list. And then strangers wanted to actually help with, with their list. So then as time went on, we thought, well, shit, we got to keep doing this. So we did it again the next summer. And we bought an old 1969 purple transit bus and we traveled for two months and we got a crew to follow us to, so we could film. And we, you know, we went after bigger list items and then we were blown away by all the, the accomplishments that we had made, but also the people we were able to help. But the thing that was interesting is that now people around the world were starting to email us and saying, hey, um, I just made my bucket list and I just accomplished – 
this. And so all these people around the world were starting to accomplish their list. And over time, it became very clear that like, wow, it's, it's, you actually, you're able to, the, the best thing we can do is inspire other people to do what they do. Because mm -hmm. my impact is only going to be as far as the people I can touch, you know, virtually or physically, right? But if I can inspire other people to inspire their friends and inspire their community, and that's exponential impact. And that's, that's the ripple effect. And you can do that by doing the thing that you love. And it doesn't need to be your job, right? I think that that's important to mm. just make, make a point of saying that it's, it's, it's amazing if it is. If you can make a living out, out of what you, out what, what you truly love, um, that is incredible. But it's also incredible to do what you love in your time outside of work. Right. And, and, and that's what I'm saying is like, take, protect time so that you can do those things that you love. How big do you think we should be dreaming? Cause I, I, I often like one of the bigger things that I, that I, I think I was playing with, especially when I got sick around this time was I wanted to make huge art. That was it. Like, I didn't know what that meant, but I just meant like, I wanted to make big art. And for me, painting a car was big. Mm -hmm. And then I got into painting murals and doing other big projects. But like, what do you think about like the idea, like the, ch the challenging dreams, the big dreams? Do you think it's really important to kind of go beyond your edge or what you think you can accomplish and see if you can get there or better to stay kind of like, what can I actually get done? I think it comes back to, is it something that you really, truly want? So it, do you have a dream that is a moonshot that's buried deep down that is your just burning desire? And if so, you have to do it. By, without a doubt, you have to go after it. Because even mm. if you don't achieve it, something good will come of it. Right. I guarantee. By, because when you go after something that is audacious, um, you – for the most part, are going to have to put yourself in a vulnerable position. And when you put yourself in a vulnerable position, um, you grow. And when you grow, you you evolve. But So that's the one benefit. But also the other benefit is an opportunity will come out of it. Even if it's not the end result that you imagined, something will come out of it. I mean, look at you with your trip, right? So you decided to paint this car, go on this crazy road trip. Um, maybe you thought that the outcome would be, uh, you know, we'll make some, we'll take one, it would be a, a, an excellent, fun experience, but also, you know, I, I'll, I'll do my first big art piece and then I'll have this car and then, you know, I'll be able to do some things with the car and that'll be really cool. Um, but think about all the other things that came out of it, you know, right. and yeah. even, even if you're not, is that, does the car exist? Are you still doing things with the car? The car exists. I've now painted seven other yeah. vehicles. Um, you know, I got work to, you know, I, my work's at Soho house because of the car. Um, you know, I, I've gotten some great commissions to do big projects. Yeah. But the thing is, you're probably that, that original car is probably, you know, oops, that that's probably your, like the, the opportunities that came out of that were not what you had originally expected. No, um, and definitely. so, and so that I think is, um, you know, is, is, is what you keep in mind when you're going after your moonshots is that, um, you know, even if you fail, something good will come of it. And you also got to think that when it comes to big dreams, you know, the Tim Ferriss talks about this. 99% of the world doesn't believe they can do great things. So they shoot mm -hmm. for realistic goals, which means the level of competition is highest for realistic goals. So if you shoot for unrealistic goals, there's less competition and right. you have a higher chance of getting it done. Right. Um, and, and, and when you, when you think about your big goals, the way that we've had success is we've tackled those goals or the, those challenges in creative ways. We've thought of out-of-the-box ideas and out-of-the-box just strategies to get them done. And ultimately, that has been the differentiator. That has gotten the attention of the person on the other side of the wall, you know, whether it's President Obama at the White House or, you know, whether it's Taylor Swift when Duncan was trying to ask out Taylor Swift or, you know, all these ridiculous list items. But yeah. – Everything we do, we go about it with uh, a little bit of a sense of humor. Um, a a, we try and go about it with a little bit of humility. Uh, but we, we, we always try and think about how can we approach this 
in a way that hasn't been done before because we know that's how we're, we'll garner support. Because mm. when, when people see you going after an audacious goal, first of all, they're more inclined to help you. But when they see you going after it in a way that they've never seen before, that is totally just awe-inspiring or just you know hilarious or whatever, they have a higher chance of, of wanting to help you. Mm. I want to dig into something that's been really instrumental in my exploration of love over the last two years, um, and that has been the relationship between love and truth. And this kind of podcast and my conversations that I've been having with people about love have really helped open my eyes to a certain truth of my identity and the privileges that come with my identity as a white man. Um, and I'm curious if that plays a role in how you perceive dreaming and also um, list building as it relates to privilege mm -hmm. and just kind of the opportunities that we have based upon our bodies and, mm -hmm. you know, recognizing women, people of color, indigenous folks, disabled folks, they don't necessarily have the same open blue sky list that uh, a white man might be able to have. And I, I'm curious if that comes into your view and how you, how you perceive that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I try to be conscious of that. And I think that, you know, I, this is a little bit different, but I had a conversation with someone that messaged me and said, how do I go after my list when I'm, um, I'm working 14 hours a day and I don't have any money? Well, that's uh, another one, right? And uh, some resource. Yeah, and uh, it's 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 an extremely valid question. And that I asked him, do you? And I was just curious. And I said, do you think you have time to take one hour a week to do something that you love? And he said, yeah, I think I, I think I have an hour a week and I, I, I used to draw and uh, I'm an artist and I just haven't done that for a really long time. But I could, I could take an hour a week uh, or maybe a little bit more to, um, to doodle and draw. And I said, that's perfect. That's, ex that's, that right there is your practice. Like that's, that's it. Um, and so I, I think that we all, we, we, we all have, our situations are all very, very different, and I think what's 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 not different is we all have dreams, and that does unite us all. And if you are able to identify what that is, and just think about the first step to that goal even if it's very small and it's actually important that they're small because then they, they're more digestible. Right. But just that, that first initial step and maybe it's just making a phone call. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just researching something on the internet. Um, and maybe it's asking for help from someone. And what those initial steps do is they start to build inspiration through action. Mm. And one of the issues that we are faced with when it comes to our personal goals is that we typically wait to feel inspired to go after them. And this is from Gil Mr. Gilovich's research, right? When he was doing the research around biggest regrets at the end of your life. Mm -hmm. Why do 76% of people end up at the end of their life regretting um, living for someone else, not themselves? Why is this the case? Well, it's because we, we have, there's three problems with personal goals. And the one is that typically we wait to feel inspired to go after those personal goals, but that inspiration rarely hits. And this, especially, you know, now in this time of isolation, you know, I was feeling paralyzed, you know, like what, what do I do? I have, totally. I have so many things that, well, first of all, everything that I had been doing is now gone, right? I've right. public speaking. So, you know, speaking many, many times a year on the road, 200 days a year, all of a sudden, all speaking engagements canceled. <laughs> so it's just right away i am an unemployed <laughs> i guess yeah. right like it's done right. when is yeah. it going to come back who knows how will it come back who knows it, it could be totally different so it's like okay um now that i'm unemployed what uh there are there are a lot of things that i've been putting off that now i can do but there's a period of of just paralysis you know where you're sort of overwhelmed by the choice you're overwhelmed by the situation so how do you get over that well you know, these take small steps towards those things and you'll, 
you're, you are the architect of your own inspiration through action. So he found that yes, that inspiration rarely hits you out of the blue, but if you take small steps, you start to build your own inspiration and you start to feel it. So, right. you know, if you think about putting a, you know, just pushing a, or throwing a snowball over a hill, it starts to grow as it goes. That's momentum. That's what happens to your inspiration. So it's, it, it, you know, it's the same thing that you experienced um, when you were painting the car and taking that road trip. As you went, you start to, you start to feel inspired as you go, right? If you would have just planned the whole thing um, in your head and just sort of or, or waited to feel inspired to go do it, it, it probably wouldn't have happened. You just had to it's do it. It's almost like more. It's like you bite off more than you can chew, right? It's like it's too much to visualize when you're planning the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. And so you just got to do it. And, and like for us in the beginning, um, you know, people ask like, oh, did you have, did you know that all this stuff was going to happen? Or did you think you would accomplish any of these goals? It's like, no, of course not. We didn't even know if the RV was going to make it back after the two-week road trip. Totally. <laughs> like, the mechanic said, don't take this, guys. You're going to have to tow it back. And we almost, That was a big fear for my trip too. Yeah. And we almost yeah. didn't go because we're like, well, we can't afford to tow this thing back. That's going to be horrendously expensive and we didn't have any resources like right we threw parties to fundraise we cold call companies out of the phone book you know we didn't have um we just didn't have any money um so we just had to fake it till we make it we pretended we had a production company and cold call companies um yeah and so and and and, and then you know the inspiration started to hit us as we went so, yeah. you know, it's, it's interesting to think. So you, you, there's this sort of three things that stop us, right? Inspiration, right? We wait for it versus taking action. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we spoke about, which is there are no deadlines for personal goals, so we push them off. Right. So we have to create accountability around personal goals, which is why we write our list, which is why we share our list. So we feel accountable to those that we shared. Mm. And um, the third thing that stops us, and this is actually the number one thing, is fear. Uh, mm. It's either the fear of failure or the fear of what other people will think. Mm-hmm. And so, wow. yeah, there's you know we can unpack that because there's 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 a lot there with the fear piece, and we all feel it. These are very human emotions, like the fear of failure and the fear of what other people think. Um, the the fear of what other people think, it's said, is dates back to when we were hunter gatherers and if, in tribal times we'd go out for a hunt if we came back without a kill we were at risk of getting kicked out of the tribe so if we did something wrong and the the tribe thought that we messed up <laughs> we right, got kicked right. out of the tribe we died yeah. yeah you need the tribe to survive yeah. you need that acceptance so that, that That's interesting yeah so that sort of this fear of what other people think passed on from generation to generation whereas now we still feel that fear it's not life or death usually right we have to I, I'm going to provide the caveat that we, if you have your basic needs met, safety, right. shelter, um, food, you, if those are, are, are met where, where failure doesn't mean that emergency situation, right. which is important to, 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 to understand, yeah. then that failure a lot of times is, uh, is an opportunity to learn and a pivot towards success Um, yeah there's also something that you're that you're kind of like leaning on which is the culture of dreams and the culture of dreaming and just like having that mindset the mindset of a dreamer and i do recognize there's been periods of my life and i'm sure most people's lives where the dreams just aren't there Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. sometimes we go blank or sometimes trauma hits or something stops us from getting into that state of doesn't even mean inspiration i think it just means like being lucid enough to dream Mm -hmm. Uh, do you have thoughts about encouraging or or kind of kick-starting people back into a dream state or to really engage yeah i think that um in my just from my personal experience, you know, I've I've struggled with depression over the years, and when I'm depressed, I'm not dreaming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm trying to get out of bed. You know, I'm trying to just um, be a normal human being, you know, be be someone that can cope in society, and mm-hmm. so 
what I've learned in the past is I've learned things that I can do to help me get back to baseline and also be proactive to optimize my mental health and well-being and try and keep my mental fitness at a place where um, I feel like I can have those dreams and be creative and, you know, continue to drive forward versus just try and keep my head above water. So, Drink that jerba. Exactly, exactly. Drink the gerb. Um, so I've, and, and I think that every, I just think it's in, I mean, okay, I guess I'll say this first. One, um, you bring up a great point because you don't always feel like you can dream. And um, if you are feeling like you're going through, especially now, a difficult time and you feel like you're taking a dip and you feel a lot of darkness or you feel a lot of negativity, just know that you're not alone. And there are a lot of people out there that are feeling like that right now and that feel like that every day. And that is okay to feel like that um, in the sense that you don't have to feel like you're fucked up. You know, you, there are, there, this is the human existence to feel these ups and downs. Um, and it's okay. What's not okay is not talking about it. Not talking about it is not okay because you are on your own. And right. in any other challenge in our lives, do we go at it alone? Usually not. If we're faced with a work challenge, what do we do? We go to our boss. We say, hey, I don't know what to do here. We go to a colleague. We go to a friend. Hey, have you ever been through this before? I need some support. I need some ideas. How do I get through this? Totally. All these challenges that we go through, we, we collaborate. When it comes to our mental health, a lot of the times because of stigma, because of shame, and because of this fear of what other people think, we try and work it out in our heads. And it's a very scary place in our heads. It's, it's less scary out in reality. And what I mean by that is like when you talk about it. Because when you talk about it, you give your thoughts a little less um, power. And so as you speak your fears, you see sometimes, hey, look, yeah, this actually, this is a little bit ridiculous that I'm actually this scared about this. Like as I talk about it and as I sort of, understand that it's just something that you went through as well and you got over it, you know, it's, it's a little less daunting. So I would just encourage people that as you know, if you're not in a dream state, <laughs> we'll call it, that's a good way of saying you're depressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not in a totally. dream state. Um, just reach out to someone that you care about or cares about you. If you mm -hmm. can, and you do have the means, uh, talk with a therapist. You know, I think that therapy is also very stigmatized, but is the the best thing that you can do to start to look at it as personal development. You know, look at it as 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 as, as growth. You know, to be able to talk with someone that can help you navigate effectively your blind spots. You know, these a lot of times these are things that happen to you when you're when you're a child or childhood um, that are creating loops that you you haven't recognized that a lot that you know. Just make you think a certain way or, or react subconsciously that are not healthy. And so you need to identify those things so you don't do them and become aware of them. And that's what a therapist does. It gi they give you tools to navigate difficult times and situations, practices you can implement. Um, you know, I always like to think about like if, you, if you're going to go play basketball at the highest level, do you just go and, and jump in the game without a coach? Right. Probably not. Right. Like, so why right. would you go about the biggest game of your life? your life uh, without a coach, you know? So it could be a therapist, could be a life coach, could be um, a friend, could be a family member, but someone to confide in and talk to about these inevitable ups and downs. And this is the, the truth. Everyone will go through some sort of mental health crisis in their life. Like that's just the data, right? One in four people right. struggle with their mental health that we know about. That's people that have come forward and said, yeah, I have a, you know, clinically have, have been tagged of people that struggle with mental health, but it's much more than that. And, and the research shows that everyone will go through some sort of crisis. And that's either, a lot of times, those are folks that ha don't struggle with their mental health as, as an illness, right? It's people that have just gone through a death in the family, a divorce, they've been laid off, you know, stress. Right. Um, a lot of the suicides come from, unfortunately, folks that just, just are dealing with the life uh, traumas and to stuff that life throws throws at them and so the best way that we can help others i believe is by 
um, talking about what we're going through because that's the only way we normalize this conversation mm. is by having the conversation. Um, yeah. And and so, well, you know, it doesn't need to be on a public platform. If you're not ready to talk about it on a public platform, don't do it. But just talk with someone about it. Um, right. The safe space because that will help you work through it. And then you can start to learn these things that will help you. You know, for me, it's meditation, exercise, sleeping eight hours a day, you know, gratitude, helping other people, you know, all these things that I get out in nature. Yep. 20 minutes yeah. plus in nature. Yeah. That's beautiful. I think that's a really important point and I appreciate you articulating that and, and sharing vulnerably your kind of journey through it. Um, I just got off the phone with my therapist an hour ago. Um, so I'm a huge proponent of, of therapy and talk therapy and also recognizing um, there's other resources that are accessible if therapy is not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually, I think it's a good time to talk about those resources. Um, yeah, absolutely. W- one great resource that everyone should know about is Crisis Text Line. And Crisis Text Line is 24-hour support via text. So you can text when you feel like you're in a crisis. The um, number is 741741, and you text the word HOME, H-O-M-E. If you're in the U.S., if you're in Canada, you text 686868, and and the word that you text is HOME. And uh, you get a response back by a therapy, a trained volunteer or therapist, but basically they'll be there for you no matter what. So if you ever feel alone, trapped, you don't know what to do, text Crisis Text Line. Um, If you're trying to figure out how to be there for someone else, let's say your friend or your family member is going through some sort of crisis, um, they're struggling, you feel like there's something wrong, you don't know what to do. Um, there's a, a, a great website called bethere.org. And mm. That's B-E-T-H-E-R-E.org. And bethere.org gives you a roadmap of how to be there for someone else. So uh, how do you show up for them? It gives you these five golden rules. And it's how to have a conversation with someone that might be going through a crisis, whether they're struggling with depression, uh, maybe they are bipolar or they have an eating uh, disorder or something, you know, you approach those conversations a little bit differently. But wow. um, so that is a, is a great resource. And, um, uh, you know, I think that there, there are many great resources popping up around the country. Uh, Definitely. Those are great to share. Definitely. Yeah. And there's a lot online right now. I mean, I, I, you can find therapists and leaders. I mean, even people like Oprah, right, who are getting out there and teaching meditation, giving resources around mental health. Um, there's some really fantastic teachers and guides and psychologists and um, therapists who publish their work in mass media and online and on YouTube. And so there's a, there's a lot of resource um, that's important to tap into and yeah. take advantage of. Yeah, there is, and, and it's, it's, that is one benefit and upside of this crazy world right now is that yeah. everyone is is publishing their content, you know, uh, most part for free. Um, yep, definitely. Uh, there's a great platform called Ken Show that's based out of Venice, uh, K-E-N-S-H-O, and they are a platform of um, alternative healers. So holistic healers that have been verified, uh, so you know they're good. And uh, if you want to learn how to meditate or you want to do Reiki or, as I said, you want to do Reiki on your dog like I did earlier. Yeah, yeah <laughs> um, perfect. If, and, and, and half of, I think, it, the, the lessons are virtual too. So, yeah, a lot of good stuff popping up. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm actually going to be speaking um, on Holisticism, another platform like that, um, this weekend about love extremism. And they're doing virtual workshops every day. So pretty excited about um, what's what's online and available during this crazy time. So, um, wow. Well, this has been a, a far-reaching conversation, Ben. I, I, I'd love to just open the floor up to kind of one more nugget of love from you to all the love extremists listening. Um, I was going to ask you about kind of love and partnership and your journey there, as I know you're recently engaged and very excited about um, that journey that you're on. But you know, I, I, I leave it to you. Um, if there's something that you'd like to share really about um, love and, and really activism and kind of the ripple effect that you were speaking to um, in ways that you feel uh, you want to kind of promote that or, or speak to that. I'd love to, to hear as our kind of 
parting comment. Mm, yeah. Well, I think that, um, you know, one, I, um, I, I am getting engaged. Oh, sorry, getting engaged. I am engaged and getting married, and it's TBD whether the wedding will get pushed. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, we, I think that um, it's what, what 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 I've learned about love and and our partnership is um, that when you come together with someone. Um, you you really create this this partnership that is bigger than yourself, and uh, and I think that that is this or the definition of love. It's not just that it's bigger than myself or her, but I think it's um, like our you know our purpose changes um, collectively, and and that creates this new uh, vessel. And so that's really exciting as we you define what that is, um, and then I think that. This coming back to the ripple effect, I think we touched on one half of it, which was when you do what you love, you inspire other people to do what they love. But we didn't talk about the other half, and that's the ripple effect of when you help someone. Mm. And when you help someone, you don't just help that one person, you help the people around them, you help their anybody that cares about them, their friends, their family, um, their the people in their life, you affect them by helping them. So when you help someone, you create this ripple effect that goes far beyond what you'll ever know. And in times like this, I think it's important to remember there's not just big gives that create a ripple, you know, buying someone a house or a car or um, totally. It, it, every action has a reaction, right? So the, it can either be a positive reaction or it can be a negative reaction. And so if, if you want to create positive ripple effects in your life just every action can you have the opportunity to do that a smile creates a ripple effect a right. uh, a compliment creates a ripple effect you know asking someone hey how are you doing creates a ripple effect and so this is proof that one person can create incredible impact mm. because of this exponential impact so if you just kind of look at from a mathematical point of view that this dropping a, a, a pebble in, in the water creates this ripple that keeps going and keeps going until it hits the shore. So all these actions you do and you have every day create that same ripple. Very difficult to measure that impact, but it's very real. Yeah. And so, you know, that is an, an incredible expression of love. And if you're able to create those positive ripples in your life, um, you know, eventually they'll come back to you and, and they do make an impact. And although you may not be able to see them, they do create this positive ripple. So just remember that, you know, as you're going through the day to day that it may feel overwhelming and Jesus, what the fuck is going on? And what can I do to make an impact? And every action you have has an impact. And so these small gives create a ripple and they make the world a better place. That's such an important reminder. I think we're so often confronted with people making major moves and statements and big gives, but it's those small ones that really keep the world turning and people living in a state of joy and love. So that's a beautiful reminder. Thank you, Ben. Yeah. Um, all right. So, wow, this is this has been an incredible conversation. I knew it would be and uh, really appreciate your advice and your lived experience and your honesty and openness around all this. And uh, it's cool to be able to talk to you on these things because so often we're kind of hanging out at a party and it's like, hey, what's been going on? But we don't get to get into the depth of, of what what's, you know, these important co topics. So yeah, I love, I love, I love doing it with you. Um, let's let everybody know where they can find you. What is the best place? Yeah, probably on uh, at Ben Nempton, just my full name on all the social things. Sweet. Um, we'll post the links. Yeah. So I think Instagram is probably my most active platform and I've been doing more lives. And um, I, I would even encourage you to send me your list. You know, I, I hope that by the end of this, some of you are thinking about some of the things that are important to you. I would encourage you to put pen to paper and write those down, write them in a journal so you can keep that and you can revisit it and you can update your list as your goals and dreams change. And, um, and as you grow, 
and uh, take a photo of it and share it with me. Um, and the five categories, one more time. So we got, uh, there's, there's actually, gosh, there's probably 10 or 12, but I'll give you something to think about. There's the emotional. So what's on your emotional list? Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you want to grow emotionally? Uh, maybe fears that you want to overcome. Uh, spiritual, do you have anything, spiritual goals? Um, professional goals, so, you know, a, a, a pretty straightforward. Like, what are your goals for your career? Um, material goals. It's okay to have material goals. Like, you want to, your dream watch? Okay, write it down. You want a house on the beach? Write it down. Um, again, there's no rules. You got to forget everything you thought you knew about a bucket list. <laughs> this is just anything that's going to bring you joy and happiness. Give, right? How can you be of service? What are some of your philanthropic goals, whether it's like starting a nonprofit or it's just, um, as we've talked about, calling someone to, to, to actually just be there for them and see how they're doing. Um, so, you know, if you Google the 12 categories of life, uh, there's a great book called Dream um, uh, Manager. That's what it's called. Dream Manager by Matthew Kelly. And he talks about these 12 categories of life. So you can kind of go through all of them and there's prompts and questions to ask yourself. So write, write your full list and then um, share it with me and I can be your accountability buddy. Ethan can be your accountability buddy. You That's know, absolutely share, right. Share with both of us and uh, we will um, we'll keep you accountable and share your updates and your success, successes and yeah, we'll drive each other forward. I'd love to hear from you all. That would be awesome. Thank you, Ben. Um, and to take us out, what's your favorite love song? What are you jamming to? Oh, I got to bring it back to the old school a little bit here because this is sort of my first love song. Okay. <laughs> Which okay. was uh, the uh, Hey There Delilah. You know, what's the, the one that's from, I forget the band. But that was the first song that I ever listened to when I was in love. And it was just one of those things that stuck with me. I love it. Beautiful. Hey there, Delilah. We'll, uh, we'll figure out Delilah. Who... Delilah. Delilah. Yeah. yeah. I remember that song. I don't remember who it is either, but we'll figure it out and we'll post it on the outro. This has been a great conversation, Ben. Thank you so much for, for doing it with me. Ben Nemton, folks. Uh, thank you for listening again to Love Extremist Radio. If you're feeling this, create your bucket list and share it with us and share the episode with your friends and they can do the same. Uh, talk to you very soon and hope you're all doing well and staying healthy out there. Peace. Hey there, Delilah, what's it like in New York City? I'm a thousand miles away, but girl, tonight you look so pretty, yes you do. Times Square again shine as bright as you, I swear it's true. Hey there, Delilah, don't you worry about the distance. I'm right there if you get lonely. Give this song another listen. Close your eyes. Listen to my voice, it's my disguise. I'm by your side. Oh, it's what you do to me. Times are getting hard, but just believe me, girl, someday I'll pay the bills with this guitar. We'll have it good. We'll have the life we knew we would. My word is good. Hey there, Delilah, I've got so much left to say. If every simple song I wrote to you would take your breath away, I'd write it all. Even more in love with me, you'd fall. We'd have it all. Oh, it's what you do to me. 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 A thousand miles seems pretty far, but they've got planes and trains and cars. I'd walk to you 
if I had no other way Our friends would all make fun of us And we'll just laugh along Because we know that none of them have felt this way Delilah, I can promise you That by the time we get through The world will never ever be the same me two more years and you'll be done with school and I'll be making history like I do you'll know it's all because of you we can do whatever we want to hey there Delilah here's to you this one's for you What you do to me